dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese culture and history through historical Chinese dramas. We are your hosts for today, Kathy and Karen. Today, we are discussing episode 53 of The Story of Yanxi Palace or Yanxi Gonglue. This podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter, or else email us at karenandkathy at chasingdramas.com. This podcast episode contains a drama episode recap, and we'll then move on to discuss the history portrayed in this episode. In the last episode, well, and also the beginning of episode 53, we said goodbye to two women, the evil Chun Guifei and the maternal Yu Fei. Ying Luo now has the fifth prince, Yong Qi, under her care, but was also able to see that the late Empress Fu Cha received some justice for the death of her son with Chun Guifei's death. The thing is, Chun Guifei was killed using a string from a kite by the Empress Na La. No one knows the truth, apart from Empress Na La, of course, but because Ying Luo has created kites in the past, the evident connection here is that she was the one to kill Chun Guifei. The emperor visits Ying Luo at Yan Gong, and what is she doing? Making a kite. They get into a little argument because he wants her to stop making the kite since it just looks bad for her. Instead, he wants to teach her how to play the gu qin and even gives her a beautiful new qin. Does she listen? Nope. She doesn't think anything of his suggestion and is adamant in continuing her kite making. This annoys the emperor who storms off because, you know what, he's more annoyed that Ying Luo doesn't even try to explain since it shows that she doesn't care what he thinks of her. To be honest, I don't think she actually does care. <laughs> well, this little tiff between the two is immediately spread throughout the palace and Shu Pin, whom we haven't seen in a while, takes her opportunity. One night, she stops the emperor in the garden with an excuse to observe a beautiful flower. Well, it's this hella fake Tanhua, or Queen of the Night Flower, which blooms in front of them. And Shu Pin uses everything she's got to try to capture the emperor's attention, showering him with many praises. The emperor plays along and says that on such a night, there should be music. What does he do? Order that the zither or qin he gave to Ying Luo be extracted. Ying Luo doesn't give a second thought and just gives it back, which causes the emperor to be annoyed again because he wanted her to make a fuss. When, by the twilight hours, she still doesn't show up, he ditches Shu Pin and shows up at Yanxi Palace. That's where they have a frank discussion about why he's so frustrated. He knows that she didn't kill Chun Guifei, but it's about the fact that she doesn't care for how he thinks of her. The two make up, or more like the emperor lets go of his annoyance, and that's that. Poor Shu Pin. <laughs> the emperor's like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about her. The more interesting matter at hand, in my opinion, now that we are over the emperor trying to make Ying Luo jealous, is this Qin Tan Li, or silkworm ceremony. The Empress Nala is presenting this event to the Empress Dowager. However, 
The Empress Dowager states that given there has been drought in the empire and that the cost of the ceremony is high, it is not a good look to do the ceremony this year. They can look to do it next year instead. But the Empress Nala pushes back saying that all of the women at court have already been informed of the ceremony and the operations are already in place. If they cancel the ceremony now, it would cause gossip and look bad for the imperial royal family. This angers the Empress Dowager, and rightly so. The Empress came to ask her for her thoughts, but she doesn't actually care because she's adamant for the ceremony to take place. In front of the servants in the palace, the Empress Dowager tells the Empress off for usurping too much power. The Empress Dowager then promptly leaves, leaving the Empress rather humiliated. The Empress rushes out of the palace with tears in her eyes and gives only a half-hearted acknowledgement of He Qin Wang, who happened to be outside. He Qin Wang, or Prince He, has had a soft spot for the Empress Nala for a while, so he decides that he will step in to help her ensure that the silkworm ceremony continues as planned. After all, why was it possible for the late Empress Fu Cha to hold the ceremony and not the new Empress Nala? Clearly, there's favoritism here, and we'll talk about that more during our history discussion. Sure enough, next we see the Empress and Shu Pin are overlooking the materials required for the silk ceremony. While the Empress is secretly gloating that she got her way, she is immediately met with a blow as they find that Ying Luo will be using materials befitting a higher station than her current title of consort. Apparently, this was okayed by both the Emperor and Empress Dowager. Actually requested by the Empress Dowager and okayed by the Emperor. Clearly, this is the Empress Dowager's way of expressing her displeasure by purposefully elevating Ying Luo's position to combat that of the Empress's. Right now, this silkworm ceremony is the Empress and Empress Dowager's battleground. And what we mean by this is Ying Luo currently is the title of Fei or Consort. The next step then would of course be Noble Consort or Gui Fei. The Empress currently needs this ceremony to happen in order to maintain her position and power given what happened to her father, while the Empress Dowager does not want it to happen because of what happened to the Empress's father. The Empress Dowager wants to send out a warning of her displeasure towards the Nala clan. There is someone else who is rather eager for the ceremony to occur, and that is none other than Xi Tala Erqing. She's been in confinement for quite some time with Fu Hong out at war, but she has not exercised any restraint at all in her hateful tendencies. She wants to use the ceremony as a way to speak to the emperor about her poor treatment because if anyone will help, it's going to be him. We will see what happens with her presence in the palace in the next episode. But before we close out the episode, there is a quick scene we want to highlight with two implications. Xiao Quanzi secretly follows Yuan Chun Wang to the Imperial Doctor Ye Tianshi's place and picks up some medicine from Ye Tianshi. There, Yuan Chun Wang says he will help Ye Tianshi dispose of some medicine that isn't fresh anymore in a market so that funds can be used for other medical purposes. Additionally, Ye Tianshi 
gives Yuan Chunwang a secret pouch of medicine for Ying Luo. Xiao Quanzi observes Yuan Chunwang secretly putting this powder in a pot of medicine for Ying Luo, and when presenting her with this medicine, Xiao Quanzi tries to stop her from uh, drinking this bowl, thinking that Yuan Chunwang is trying to poison Ying Luo. But oddly, Ying Luo actually drinks the medicine without another thought. She actually also punishes Xiao Quanzi for insubordination, yet then still insists that she will keep on drinking this medicine to Yuan Chunwang. This little scene is quite interesting and will be important in the next few episodes. And with that, we will see what happens with Er Qing at this silkworm ceremony in the next episode. So for this particular episode, there's quite a lot of history in it. You might have caught a couple of pieces or not, so we will discuss them today. The first piece of history is the Yue Lu Zhi Yin Qin, or the Sound of Moon Dew Zither. This zither comes into play as the gift that the emperor intends to give Ying Luo, but she doesn't want to learn how to play zither. Later, Shu Pin wishes to play it, and ladies and gentlemen, Ying Luo is just like, you know what, fine. However, after doing some research on this particular zither, I more or less have the reaction of, wow, Ying Luo, you really don't understand the favor that you have from the emperor, do you? This Yue Lu Zhi Yin Zither is in the Zhongni style with a Paulonia body and painted with black lacquer. There are seven strings on this zither, so it is in the Gu Qin style instead of the Gu Zheng style that you hear in our intro music. This particular zither was created during the Ming Dynasty. Emperor Qianlong, along with his many other hobbies, loved collecting zithers. Once he collected a bunch, he had his officials such as Liang Shizheng and Tang Kan go through all the zithers in the royal collection and rank them. This Yue Lu Zhiyin zither was in the top 16, which reflects its quality. The Tou Deng Shiliu Hao, which reflects its rank, is engraved on the zither box to show, hey everyone, this is a very good quality zither. This zither is also one of only four that are still in its original palace lacquer box from the Qianlong era. Two others are held in private collections and one is held in a museum in Liaoning. For this Yue Lu Zhiyin on the box, we can see the words Ming Zhi, Yue Lu Zhiyin, Da Qing Qianlong, Xin Yong Nian, Zhuang, or Ming Dynasty Sound of Moon Zither boxed in 1741. There's another poem that Emperor Qianlong had carved on the box itself. Now, speaking of the zither, on the back of the zither are some beautiful carvings. At the top, there's a gorgeous carving of the name of the zither, Yue Lu Zhiyin, in the shape of a sphere or a circle, not a sphere, a circle. And it is quite nice how they're able to put all of the words in this shape. There's also at least two other imperial seals from Qianlong that denote his ownership of the zither. On the baseboard of the zither itself, there's a carving of a poem that Qianlong wrote for this zither, and it goes as such. Yue Lu Yu Qin, Shi Yi Fei San, Mie Fen Bie Xiang, 
，诚无抵拦。远久忌惮，齿薄浑素，谁知因者，唯问月露。Here's my translation: The moon, dew, and zither are one and not three. Destroy the separation to form a bottomless basket. The ritual wine is light. The silk is pure. Who is my soulmate? Only ask the moon dew. I particularly, I you know, I like this poem. It is one of the rarest zithers of the same quality. At auction in 2014, the zither sold for around 30 million yuan, which, depending on conversion rate, is between four to five million U.S. dollars. So Ying Luo, you clearly did not value what you got <laughs> in this episode. I think that really shows how little she actually does care about the emperor, at least at this present moment. This particular zither was stored in the National Palace Museum in Beijing, but I'm not sure where it is after the auction. Moving on, later in the episode, He Qinwang recites a poem as he's trying to figure out a way to aid the current Empress Nala. He recites two lines: "Qi bi xin qin zhong bu ji, jiu shu jiu jian jiu xiang tou." This comes from a poem that was written by Emperor Qianlong himself. He wrote it on the third anniversary of Empress Fu Cha's death in 1751, and is pondering why he doesn't love the、uh, current Empress or Empress Nala as much. Here is the full poem: "Du dan ge lai san ji zhou, xin huai sui yue xin ru liu, qi bi xin qing zhong bu ji, jiu shu jiu jian jiu xiang tou." The translation is as such: The songs have come for your three-year memorial. Time has flown by. Is it that the new zither isn't as good? No, it's because the relationship is not the same as with the old sword. Hidden in the poem, there is actually another idiom called "gu jian qing shen." This is a tragic love story and the subject of a few Chinese dramas. It is about the Han Emperor Liu Xun, who ascended the throne after a rough childhood. He already had a wife Xu Pingjun, and logically, she would become empress. The Grand General Huo Guang, though, wanted to have his younger daughter Huo Chengjun become empress. So the newly installed emperor wrote an edict, basically stating, "When I was poor, I really liked a sword. I miss the sword dearly. Can you, my subjects, help me find it?" The sword represents Xu Pingjun. With this edict, Xu Pingjun became empress for a time. This story then became the idiom "gu jian qing shen" or "the long love of the sword." Fun fact: Su Qing, our actress for Er Qing in this drama, portrays Xu Pingjun in the drama Yun Ge from the Desert. That also portrays this relationship. Xu Pingjun was the beautiful and loving wife in that drama. Many viewers really liked her in that drama, hence why it was such a shock to see her、uh, or Su Qing in this drama be such an evil woman, aka Er Qing. Anyways, back to this poem. In the poem written by Emperor Qianlong, "Jiu shu jiu jian jiu xiang tou," or the sword here represents his first wife, Empress Fu Cha. The poem essentially means it isn't that the new zither or the new empress is bad, but she's just not the same as the original sword or the original empress. I mean, oof. One, this is touching as a poem for the emperor to miss his original wife, but geez, how would the new empress feel if she heard or saw this? I mean, that's not super nice. I feel bad. Why also is 
Prince uh, He He Xin Wang were sending this poem. Maybe that's why he's feeling bad for um, Empress Nala in this scene. All right. In this episode, there was tension between the Empress Dowager and the Empress regarding who will preside over the silkworm ceremony or Qin Tan Li. So what is this ceremony? The history of Qin Tan Li is very long, dating all the way back to the Zhou Dynasty some 2,500 years ago. To learn more about the silkworm ceremony, we of course have to talk about the history of sericulture. Agriculture and sericulture, or silk farming, were the pillars of Chinese society dating back thousands of years. There were various gods and goddesses that the ancient Chinese prayed to for good harvests for the year. Legend has it, Lei Zhu discovered sericulture and invented the silk loom. She was also, or is also known as Xilin Shi, who was a legendary Chinese empress and wife of the Yellow Emperor. Historically, the silkworm ceremony was always led by an empress. She would lead the women in the imperial harem to pray to Lei Zhu and feed the silkworms to promote the customs of sericulture. The emperor, on the other hand, would play to Xiannong, the god of farming. In Chinese, there's the phrase nan gong nu zhi, which means men farm, women weave. With the silkworm ceremony, it makes a clear delineation of roles between a man and a woman. Women will weave and silk is what they used to weave, hence why the silkworm ceremony or festival is led by a woman. The silkworm festival is clearly mentioned in the rites of Zhou or Zhou Li, which was a compilation dating all the way back to the Han Dynasty. This ceremony was held every year, and in the spring, the empress would lead the women to the north to perform the rituals. In or during the Ming Dynasty, there were altars built in the north parts of Beijing to perform the ceremony. However, during the Qing Dynasty, the Xian Tan Tan, or the altar to the goddess of silkworms, began construction in 1742 during the reign of, of course, Qianlong, and completed in 1744. It is located at the northeast part of the Bei High Park in Beijing, so it isn't located inside the Forbidden City. The first ceremony was held in 1744, and the location, or the altar, was subsequently renovated in 1748 and 1837. When the emperor would go to pray to the agriculture gods at Tiantan, which is a much more famous tourist site, I think most people when they go to China or Beijing, they also do prioritize visiting Tiantan, the empress would instead go here to the Xian Tiantan to pray. Xian Tiantan is still standing and one can go visit, although I was looking on Google Maps and didn't seem to be like a very popular spot. There, you will see a plaque with Emperor Qianlong's handwriting that is gifted to this location. Now, according to the rituals set during Qianlong's reign, the ceremony was held during the third month of the year. The Empress and her retinue would fast two days in advance. Then, they would head to the Xian Tiantan, wearing official court dress to offer sacrifices to Lei Zhu. While there, if silkworms had already hatched, then the mulberry ceremony would be held the next day. If not, then the mulberry ceremony would be delayed a few days. 
For the mulberry ceremony, it was necessary to select candidates to perform the rituals, prepare the fields, and of course, prepare the hook and baskets. The empress used gold hooks, and the concubines used yellow baskets with silver hooks, and others used red baskets with iron hooks. On the day of bowing to the mulberry or the mulberry ceremony, the empress holds a hook in her right hand and a basket in her left hand. Those two are essentially the instruments that we saw in the drama. The empress picks the mulberry leaves first and then the other ladies in the retinue follow. They all sing a song about picking mulberry leaves. Then silk weavers chop up the mulberry leaves and feed them to the silkworms. After the silkworms form cocoons, the silk weavers select the best ones and presented them to the empress, who then presented those to the emperor and the empress dowager. Then on another auspicious day, the empress and the silk weavers would then go to the weaving room to reel some silk and dye it into colors such as vermilion, black, yellow, etc. that would be used for embroidering sacrificial clothes. There is a beautiful series of paintings that were painted by Giuseppe Castiglione and others that portray these rites. In the paintings, we can clearly see Empress Fu Cha performing her duties. These paintings were presented in 1749, but Empress Fu Cha had already died, so they were probably commissioned by Emperor Qianlong more as a remembrance of his beloved late wife. I highly recommend folks to uh, Google these paintings. It's pretty cool like how much detail you can see, and basically, um, if you see the clothings of the women and the servants around the empress, you can see, you know, some of the resemblance, not some, a lot of the resemblance to what we see in our drama. These paintings are currently housed in the National Palace Museum in Taipei. In the drama, Empress Fu Cha did talk about the Qin San Li in past episodes, but it wasn't really a highlight, so that's why we didn't talk about it. And unfortunately, we don't see the ritual here in this drama or in this episode, but I thought it would be good to bring this topic up. And lastly, for history today, we are reminded of the awful Ertium. She says these two stanzas as she's basically torturing a poor maid. Ugh, what else is new? The poem was written by a Tang Dynasty poet, the famous Bai Juyi, and comes from the poem Hou Gong Ci, or the Imperial Harem Ci. The lines are Yu Lu Yu Lai Yi Dian En. Erqing says the last two lines. This basically translates to The favor comes in drops. Can it spread across a thousand doors? The three thousand women in the palace have rouged faces. How many will not have tears come spring? So this poem is really a critique on the promiscuous nature of the emperor and the sad and desolate lives of women in the palace. These women in the palace constantly show their most beautiful selves in hopes of gaining favor with the emperor and becoming a favored concubine. But most of this effort is futile. 
I think this is an apt critique, but um, I don't think it works here for our team because you never had favor. And also, Fu Hung is not a promiscuous guy. He's not sleeping around with many women or any that we know of. Um, and he has no eyes for anyone at this point. So, like, who is dressing up for him and who is he discarding? She is certainly playing the victim here when she is most definitely not. I think this might have been a miss from the screenwriter as the poem doesn't totally fit the scene. But again, it may be. I think it may be that Erting is just playing up her victim complex of like everything is not my fault. Everybody around me hates me. So woe is me. It's Fu Hung's fault. <laughs> God, I cannot wait for the next episode. <laughs> Well, that is it for today's podcast episode. Friendly reminder that if you're looking for sites to watch Chinese dramas and you're in the U.S., head on over to our sponsor, Jubao TV. That is J-U-B-A-O TV. It is a free service that has a selection of Chinese dramas and movies to watch with English subtitles. They just launched on Plex, so you can stream that through their website uh, or also on TV. Once again, all this is free. Thanks again so much for listening. We will catch you all in the next podcast episode. Thank you.